Welcome in to the Chief Stone Podcast. My name is Farzin Vesugian. I am the host of the podcast. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I uh, hope you guys were able to stay warm. I know it was a chilly weekend, especially when uh, baseball season's opening up. Uh, kind of interesting. Uh, I actually wanted to get into that, into that later on, but hopefully you guys all had a good weekend. Hopefully you guys enjoyed opening weekend in baseball. The uh, regional games took place, uh, one of them, of course, in Kansas City, so I hope those of you who went enjoyed that. Obviously a lot going on this weekend in sports. Not a whole lot going on with the Kansas City Chiefs, but still uh, some uh, news stories to discuss, and we will jump into that here on this episode of the podcast. If you guys want to interact with me, you can do so in a couple of easy ways. You guys can interact with me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzim That is my Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 that is the tweet machine. Send me a tweet on there. Follow me as well. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and on Podbean. Uh, I did mention on the last, last episode, I wanted to share with you guys uh, what what's going to be going on this month. Uh, on this episode, uh, uh, not this episode, excuse me, but uh, on this podcast uh, throughout the month, a lot of guests going to be coming up. We're going to have Matt Stagner of Arrowhead Pride. He will be joining us on the podcast later this month. Robert Rimson of the Chiefs Wire and with USA Today. Obviously, we've had Charles Goldman on here a couple of times from the Chiefs Wire, and one of his uh, writers, Robert Rimson, is going to join us as well. He was at the NFL Combine, and he's been at some of the pro days as well. He will join us on this podcast. Daniel Harms uh, of a new website that's starting to get some attention called Arrowhead Guys. Daniel's done a really good job with some uh, film reviews on uh, some of his articles and on social media, so he will join us on the podcast this month as well. Also, another person confirmed to join us. Not maybe not going to be in this month of April, but uh, after the NFL draft, it'll likely be early May. But Dante Jones of KCTV Five will be on this podcast as well. Those are just a few of the guests I have confirmed. Uh, a couple more we're still working on. A couple more who will likely come on. Uh, so some returning guests uh, that we'll have on. So that'll be coming up on the Chief Zone podcast for you to look forward to. So very excited to have those guys, and hopefully. A few more join us as we are leading up to the NFL Draft. Uh, it is the NFL Draft Month, of course. We're going to get the preseason schedule, going to get the regular season schedule. I'm almost optimistic that the Chiefs are going to play five preseason games because I don't know why you would not put them in the Hall of Fame game. They've got three inductees in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Johnny Robinson, Tony Gonzalez, and Ty Law. And because Ty Law is the first player, the first Patriots player from all these championships they've had to be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I feel like we're going to get a Chiefs-Pats battle for the first preseason game. Now, I did mention that the Patriots, they will play on Sunday night, they're not going to play on Thursday night for the traditional uh, Super Bowl reigning champs to open up the season. Instead, they're going to go with the 100-year anniversary of the National Football League, so it's going to be Chicago and Green Bay, but they have already promised the Patriots the Sunday night football slot. That way they can air their 
sixth Super Bowl banner on primetime, and there's a lot of speculation that the Chiefs will be that team. I don't know if the NFL would schedule a Chiefs-Pats preseason game in week one, or, or not week one, technically it's before week one, and then schedule them in week one of the regular season. Now, we, we've seen it before. Uh, in fact, the Saints and Rams, they played each other five times uh, in the preseason, in the regular season, and in the playoffs. Uh, played each other three times. Uh, obviously, the playoff game, that was not scheduled. That happened due to both teams doing really well and getting to that point. But uh, I don't know if if the NFL would ever do that. Uh, be the first preseason game and also a week one primetime game with the two teams, uh, Chiefs-Pats. But I feel like the Chiefs and Patriots are the two rightful teams to pick for that for that Hall of Fame preseason game. And obviously, your strategy will change. If you remember, the Chiefs and Bears, they played each other in Week 3. And Week 3 is generally that tune-up game where the starters play into the third quarter. But we didn't see that from the Chicago Bears when they played the Chiefs because the Bears had five preseason games. And therefore, we actually saw former Chiefs quarterback and former Mizzou quarterback Chase Daniel play a lot against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I... If I'm not mistaken, I believe Tyler Bray played the rest of the game for the Bears. So, a couple of former Chiefs, obviously, because Matt Nagy is their former offensive coordinator here in Kansas City. But, nonetheless, I think uh, the Chiefs would be that rightful team uh, to play that uh, fifth preseason game. Oh, technically, it's the first preseason game, but but, but you get the idea. Uh, I think the Chiefs are one of the teams that should be considered for that Hall of Fame game. We will learn about that this month, and obviously, we're going to be breaking down... All of these mock drafts and some of these players that are projected to come to Kansas City, a lot we will discuss on this podcast leading up to April the 25th, I believe, is when the NFL draft is. Uh, The only reason I remember that is because April the 26th is a Friday, and that is when Avengers Endgame is coming out. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Do not expect any draft like any draft posts or tweets from me on that Friday I'm, I'm I just don't care I I'm, I have there was something that I have far bigger obligations that that night than the NFL draft so I I'll definitely take a pass I'll, I mean I'm, I'll show I'll get the notification on my phone but don't expect me to post anything until after I get out of the movie that movie's by the way gonna be three hours long it's gonna be one long night so uh, definitely missing the NFL draft that night, but we're not here to, to, to discuss that. Uh, a lot to discuss on this episode, uh, despite not a lot of Chiefs news, still some things to get into. Uh, one Chiefs player spoke out talking about his future with the Kansas City Chiefs. NFL.com did a ranking discussing uh, some of the top rivalries for 2019 and a little bit of an update on the Tyreek Hill situation, so we will talk about that on this episode, plus we'll do our closing segments to wrap up. But the biggest story involving the Kansas City Chiefs has to do with Chris Jones. Uh, he was out doing a charity event this weekend with the Special Olympics, uh, which included participants from both uh, Kansas and Missouri. And in interviews he did with the media, he was quoted saying that he wants to be a chief for the rest of his career uh, Jones obviously had a monster 2018 season, got his first Pro Bowl in the NFL. Jones had 15 and a half sacks in 2018. That was the third most 
among NFL players behind Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt. He also had the NFL record for most consecutive games with a sack with 11 straight games doing so. That was a record held by Broncos defender Simon Fletcher all the way back from 1992. So obviously a very long time that record was held and Chris Jones broke it. Also had a pick six against the Jaguars. Second year in a row he had an interception. So obviously good to see Chris Jones Getting involved in that area as well, one way or another. Defensive linemen generally don't get that, and whenever they can get them, you take them. Uh, Two forced fumbles. He had four last year, had 40 tackles this season after having 32 last year and 28 his rookie season. So for a guy who was taken in the second round, obviously the Chiefs, uh, I mean, they got to steal him the second round with this guy and... In a lot of the redo mock drafts for that year, 2015, where the Chiefs had a first-round pick but traded out of it. In a lot of the redo mock drafts, you see Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones both being taken early in the first round. I remember in 2016, just just one year after uh, Jones and Tyreek Hill had been in the NFL, the first redo mock draft I saw Tyreek Hill was taken in the top five and Chris Jones was taken 32nd overall and if we did another redo mock draft today I would imagine both of these guys are taken in the top five I I, I cannot imagine Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill being outside of the top five or at the very least the top 10 in any of the redo mock drafts I know those are very hypotheticals but let's be honest as, as fans we love those kinds of mock drafts. We want to know, you know, what what did the media miss out on? What, what did NFL, what, what, what did scouts miss out on when they drafted these players? And that's something that the media likes to point out in their redo mock drafts. So those are a lot of fun to look at. And I guarantee you, those two guys, surely they would have to go in the top five. I know I said at the least top ten, but I have a hard time imagining who else would go before... Uh, those two, I mean, at least in the top five. I, I just don't know why they would go after in the top five. And of course, they're both being discussed as guys who are expected to receive contract extensions this year. I know there's an issue going on with Tyreek Hill right now, and that I'll, I'll jump into shortly. But a lot of people are, are talking about the comment where he said he wants to be a chief for life. And uh, when we did the interview with Lee Steinberg, uh, he mentioned that Patrick wants to stay in Kansas City for his career and that... That, that of course, was shared by a lot of the media outlets in and around Kansas City. And a lot of people criticized me for for asking that question. And it's like, look, I get it. Yeah, sure. What else is he going to say? But give it, especially given the week when that interview came out, when we talked about that, isn't that something you at least want to hear? At least one positive story? I mean, look, most fans liked hearing that. But at the same time, yeah, sure. Uh, this is a guy who is wanting a contract extension. He wants to make millions of dollars, possibly be the highest paid defensive lineman in the NFL. So, of course, he wants to say that he's going to stay in Kansas City. And sure, look, Chris Jones, I get it. He, he He's not responsible for the business aspect uh, when the Chiefs are making tough cuts on the football team with Eric Berry, Justin Houston, D. Ford uh, trading him away. But let's be honest, Chris Jones is no dummy either. He knows why those guys were let go. It's not his business to discuss publicly, but he and his agent have discussed it for sure. So he knows why those guys were let go. He knows that the Chiefs want to keep him long term. And in doing so, he wants to say publicly, hey, yeah, I want to be a Chief for life. Of course I want those big bucks 
that the Chiefs just freed up for me and another teammate of mine from the same draft class. He knows that's the case. That's the translation right there when he says that. So yeah, of course I'll say that. And listen, as a fan, I'd love to hear that, of course. Of course I want to hear guys say that they want to stay in Kansas City long term. And if they don't, hey, look, uh, I guess in this day and age with social media, you can tweet them and, and hold them to that. They can either ignore you, respond, or block you. Uh, I mean, that's just the way it works, I guess, in 2019 now. But nonetheless, hey, listen, this is one of those players who the Chiefs kept around. The Chiefs, and NFL.com has a really good article about the teams that made the playoffs and which teams could be in danger for 2019. And the Chiefs, they were thrown out there, uh, I, I think, for understandable reasons. Not that I agree with those, but they mentioned that, look, uh, the defense was not very good, but from what good you did have in Justin Houston with nine sacks, one of the league leaders in forced fumbles, D. Ford, he had 13 sacks, and he led the league in forced fumbles. You get rid of those guys, and essentially you don't have a lot of key players returning on that defense. On 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 a defense that was the leader in the NFL along with Pittsburgh for most sacks, shocking that the team finished 31st in total defense. And from the bright spots that you did have, the very few bright spots, you got rid of them with the exception of Chris Jones. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of season this defense is going to have. I can understand the criticism that maybe some people think the Chiefs might miss the playoffs. But look, it's not like the Chiefs got rid of their five best players, which all of them are on offense. And maybe you can make a case that Chris Jones was the best defensive player. Maybe he's on the top five conversation. I can agree with that. And look, I mean, off the top of my head, I don't know who your top five would be. My, I guess if I'd say that right now in no particular order, and maybe this does end up being your order, uh, Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, I, I guess I'll throw Kareem Hunt in there because he did a lot for the Chiefs in 2018. Uh, but if he, if you're not allowed to count him in, I, I'll go ahead and throw Sammy Watkins' name out there. I thought he had, he had a very good season. I thought Mitch Morris had a very good season. Mitchell Schwartz also did very good. Uh, maybe Chris Jones is somewhere in there ahead of those guys. I don't know, but I think we can agree that those names I brought up are among some of the best that we had on the team in 2018. And the reason I make a point of that is you get rid of D Ford and Justin Houston, but Chris Jones is still on the team and he's going to have a big leadership role. And even though Eric Berry didn't play a lot of games for the Chiefs the past two years, he was still on the sidelines for, for a lot of those games and he was always there for inspiration, motivation. And look, I, I, I get a lot of people use that as a reason that this Chiefs team could still do well at times. But listen, you don't you don't draft a guy and, and pay him so much money uh, for a contract extension to be a hype guy or to be uh, some sort of motivator. I get Eric Berry's been through a lot, but that's not why you pay him so much money on, on your football team. Uh, I mean, because uh, some people are upset that the Chiefs quote unquote lost their leader and their inspiration. I get it. Again, I know what Eric Berry's been through. I'm not. I'm not here to discredit any of that. But there's only so much you can really do as a leader and as so as a motivator when you're not playing, man. I mean, we just have to accept that truth. 
And given the fact that he's not having surgery this year, I guess that gave the Chiefs a lot of concerns. I, I talked about a lot on this podcast how the dead money was going to be so much for the Chiefs to cut Houston and Barry, but Brett Veach said, hey, screw it. We're going to do it anyway because we've got a football team that we want to move forward with. Uh, still a lot of cap space there. And by the way, the Eric Berry cut, that's officially going to happen on June the 1st. Uh, but Eric Berry's still out there visiting with teams. He's, he's I, I don't know exactly how that works from a contractual standpoint, but you got the idea. Uh, Eric Berry's dead money will be a little bit less because they are doing the post-June 1st designation on that. So that is something to, to, to keep in mind. Uh, but Chris Jones is still on this football team. They want him to be the leader of this defense. A guy's going to go into his fourth year coming off his first Pro Bowl bid and... This is someone who's going to have a big hand on this defense. A lot of people are going to look up to him. And I don't know who the Chiefs are going to draft. A lot of speculation that the Chiefs are going to draft a defensive end, a pass rusher to come join this new 4-3 defense. And that defensive end, whoever it's going to be, is going to look up to Chris Jones quite a lot. I know ton of passing yo and Breedland Speaks. Those are guys who are expected to get a lot of face time in 2019. So they're going to look up to Chris Jones quite a lot for guidance on this football team. That's the kind of player that Chris Jones is going to be. And that's a guy who is going to get paid a lot of money for that. He's been making a big impact. He's played all 16 games in each of the three years that he has been in the NFL. And now he just got, he, he has this big role on this defense. And with Barry, Jones, and Houston all... Or excuse me, uh, Barry Ford and Houston all out. Chris Jones is now... The leader of this defense. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi and Twitter.com slash Farzine 21. Plus, you guys can email me as well. Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Uh, I do want to move on and talk about this. The NFL uh, put together a list of the top five rivalries for 2019. And the Chiefs and Chargers made that list. In fact, the Chiefs and Chargers rivalry is considered the second biggest rivalry for 2019. A lot of Chiefs fans disagree with this for two reasons. Number one, a lot of Chiefs fans are saying that the Chiefs have won nine of the last ten meetings. Keep in mind, and it says this in the headline and in the subheading, this is not historic rivalries. This is rivalries just for 2019 alone. Second reason why Chiefs fans disagree with this is because of the fact that the Chiefs won the first meeting... And the second time, a lot of Chiefs fans are saying, well, the offense shut down in the fourth quarter and that allowed the Chargers to rally and win with that two-point conversion. Right. Uh, Folks, we can't make that excuse. There are many occasions where opposing teams' offenses shut down against Kansas City. By the way, a lot of people are are, are talking about that long uh, string of wins. And I, I can't remember the record exactly, but the Chiefs... Since 2015, they had a record of, I think it was 17-2 and against divisional opponents. And I've heard a lot of Chiefs fans say, well, if uh, if Jamal Charles doesn't fumble the football and if uh, the Raiders don't get so many chances, we'd be undefeated in, in the division since 2015. I just hate when sports fans bring that kind of excuse up because if you want to talk about, you know, occurrences that hurt your football team. We can also talk about occurrences from opposing teams. Because let's not forget, 
the Broncos had an eight-point lead, and they also could have easily won in overtime against the Chiefs in 2016. If you remember that crazy overtime game where Cairo Santos prevented the tie uh, and kicked that field goal, hit the post, but still managed to go through, that was one that the Broncos had every reason as to why they should have won that game. And boy, I mean, if that field goal is one or two centimeters to the left, that ends in a tie. So that's just one of many examples. People say this about Tom Brady a lot. Well, Tom Brady could easily be 0-9 or 0-10, however many times he's been to the Super Bowl. He could easily be winless because all of New England's Super Bowls have been one possession, with the exception of the most recent one against the Rams. But okay, if you want to say that he could easily be winless in the Super Bowl, we could also say the same thing that he could also be undefeated for the exact same reasons because all of these games came down to the wire. Even though this Rams game was a two-possession game, it was still a very close game. Neither team was doing very well. Uh, So for people who want to make that kind of reference, I I just don't like it, man. Look, what happened happened. Yeah, sure, it was a close game. One or two things could have gone differently, but it didn't, and that's what happened here. Uh, A lot of Chiefs fans disagree that the Chiefs and Chargers or even a rivalry. I actually disagree with those fans. I 100% agree with NFL.com's article that the Chiefs and Chargers have one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL. And here's why. They both finished with a 12-4 record. Not only did these two teams tie for first place in the AFC West. They tied for first place in the AFC So don't forget about that. I think a lot of Chiefs fans are forgetting about that because the Chiefs had a one seed and the Chargers had a five seed in the playoffs. And that's kind of an easy thing to forget about. They both finished in first place in the AFC. The Chargers, they quietly creeped up on Kansas City in the division race. And not only was it a division race at that point, it was also a race for the number one seed in the AFC. uh, Because if the Chargers were to ever surpass the Chiefs in the division, they would also attain that number one seed. That never happened, obviously, fortunately, but uh, the Chargers were right up there, man. Uh, they were right up there with the Chiefs. 12-4 and four record, the two best teams in the AFC, and Chiefs fans don't think that this is a rivalry? I'm not quite sure why Chiefs fans feel that way. I strongly disagree with that sentiment. And for anyone listening to this who still disagrees with me, please tell me why. Because... For people who want to say, well, the offense shut down on the second half of that Thursday night game, well, it did. That's all you can really go off of. The Chiefs won on the road and the Chargers won on the road. And listen, obviously you never want to lose games, especially against your division. But as a sports fan, especially as someone like me who is a big fan of football, uh, I love rivalries. Again, don't get me wrong, I don't like losing to rivals. uh, But when it happens, what I love about sports is it really adds fuel to the fire. As sports fans. And even players get crazy about this stuff too. You don't think they do? They absolutely do. Even though they haven't been long life Chiefs fans like the rest of us. They they know what's on the line in these divisional games. These are key games that you've got to win. And anytime you can go 6-0 and or 5-1 and in AFC West meeting. Or any divisional meeting. Uh, divisional record uh, I should say. Uh, that's huge. That is a big factor. Because all NFL, all 32 teams have similar goals. The first goal. Win the division. Second goal, win the conference. And then, you know, if you have that going into the playoffs, great. If not, if you still have a playoff spot, well, then go win the Super Bowl. That's how every team's mindset works. 
as far as goals go for a season each and every single year. And let's not forget with rivalries, don't forget the Broncos, when Peyton Manning joined the Broncos, the Broncos won seven straight games against the Chiefs. And then in 2015, when the Chiefs visited the Broncos, the Chiefs destroyed Denver. And Peyton Manning threw four picks in that game, was benched. And then Charkandrick West goes on an 80-yard catch-and-run touchdown to make it 29-0, which basically sealed the game. And even though the Broncos won seven of the last eight meetings, man, to snap that seven-game losing streak, that was huge. Let's not forget, there was that crazy streak of losses the Raiders had against AFC West opponents. And in 2007, they beat the Chiefs, snapping that losing streak against divisional opponents. And even though the Raiders weren't doing very well that year, surely Raiders fans were, were ecstatic. They were thrilled over the fact that they finally beat an AFC West opponent, and especially being the Chiefs in Kansas City, too. Let's not forget about that. So, uh, look, yeah, sure, maybe you lose uh, a a lot against the team, but once you snap that losing streak, which the Chargers did against the Chiefs, Chargers fans were happy, and that closed the gap in the division. So let's not take credit away from anybody here. The, The Chargers earned that win. The Chiefs didn't deserve to win that football game. And as Chiefs fans, that added a lot of fuel to the fire. And that and t- Chiefs fans are anticipating the rematch. Uh, whenever the Chiefs and Chargers are going to play, whenever that's going to be in 2019 for the first time, we're all going to talk about the most recent meeting and what happened and how it happened. And it's going to make Chiefs fans want to win that game even more because of how things went down in that Thursday night game. Let me just add this too as an example. As a KU fan myself, when K-State beat KU... In basketball or, or earlier this season, I was pissed off, especially in the very end with just two seconds left when the game was decided. Case one K State player went in for a slam dunk when no one was even challenging him, but he did it anyway. To and that obviously fired up all the K State fans, and they stormed the court. And I was looking forward to the rematch in Lawrence. That's the point of a rivalry here. So yeah, as Chiefs fans, you're you're supposed to be pissed off. That the Chargers won that game, especially the way they did. That's going to make you look forward to that next meeting and want to destroy them the next time you see them. That's the point of a rivalry. And I'm glad that NFL.com picked that as the second biggest rivalry for 2019. You might be wondering who's number one. I'll tell you in just a moment. I'll tell you later on. But that is the second biggest rivalry in 2019, according to NFL.com, and I fully agree with that. I think, and I, to be honest, I would not have picked the Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, my thought, my mindset would not have even gone in that direction. So I thought that, that was a really good call. And again, you the two the two best teams in the AFC. I think Chiefs fans are forgetting that part. That's why the Chiefs and Chargers were picked as one of the biggest rival one of the biggest rivalries for 2019. Uh, last thing I want to discuss before we go to our closing segments, and it has to do with Tyree Kill. Everyone knows what's been going on with Tyree Kill, the investigation that's going on. Andy Reid was at the owners' meetings, and he was asked about this. He said he has not spoken to Tyree Kill, uh, but he has talked about this with other members of the front office, obviously. And listen, as far as saying that he has not spoken to Tyree Kill, and he said that the, the, the team's counsel advised them not to do so, Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he isn't. And by the way, I don't know what the NFL is doing about this in terms of what they're telling the Chiefs to do. 
Because they told the Chiefs to not do anything about the Kareem Hunt situation uh, back when, before the video came out. And obviously the NFL failed in finding anything. So I, I'm not even sure if the NFL's input with whatever they're killing, telling Kansas City behind closed doors is even worth considering at this point. Because obviously they failed tremendously. They didn't even bother interviewing the woman. Uh, I'm not quite sure how, how you consider that an investigation. But I digress. Uh, maybe Andy Reid's telling the truth. Maybe he isn't. I don't know. Uh, obviously, in these kinds of incidents, you want to keep a lot of things closed and keep it behind closed doors. Uh, so that's understandable if he's lying to the media. We can speculate on that, but I'm just going to go with what he said. Uh, I'm sure Andy Reid has spoke to Tyreek Hill. I'm sure he has. Uh, but he was advised to say otherwise to the media. They discuss these things because they know it's going to be brought up. I'm sure Andy Reid and Brett Veach have had a lot of conversations about this, and they've been in contact with investigators to see what's going on because... They've got a job to do with Tyreek Hill. There's a lot of consideration about giving Tyreek Hill a long-term deal. There was that report that came out from Jason Lock and Fora about how Tyreek Hill was considered being traded, and it had nothing to do with the with the investigation because this this was even before that happened. That was when it was considered. Apparently, let me just say this: I'm whenever the whenever the words. Tyreek Hill was considered for a trade was reported. That could have a lot of meanings. What could that mean? Listen, I'm sure somebody has called the Chiefs about trading for D Ford, and there was conversations about who else could be included in the in the trade. Would there be a draft pick? Would be another? Would there be another player? I'm sure, jokingly, somebody may have said, "Hey, could Patrick Mahomes?" Be considered as part of the deal. Ha ha ha. Wink wink. I mean look. Maybe something like that was said. I don't know. When they say Tyreek Hill was considered. Maybe they brought up his name. And maybe that conversation was shut down in 10 seconds. I don't know. I don't know exactly to what context. That report is going in depth with. When they say Tyreek Hill was considered for a trade. Again. I Maybe. A team has called again saying, hey, look, we're interested in D Ford, but jokingly they bring up Patrick Mahomes' name because they know Patrick Mahomes is not going to be on, on any trade block uh, from Kansas City. They know that. But surely, I, I'm sure one team has called Belichick and said, hey, uh, let's make a trade here. Here's who we're offering. Here's who we want. Oh, by the way, would Brady be in consideration? Ha, ha, ha. Hilarious. I'm sure that joke has been made at least once with the Patriots. I mean, these guys, they've got a lot of serious business to do. Surely someone's got to crack a joke and make light of things occasionally at some point. I don't, that's all I'm trying to say here. Maybe that was said in the conversations. I don't know. Maybe there was serious discussion about Tyreek Hill. Being acquired by another team, and maybe that you said, "Hey, look, uh, sure, we'll consider him, but you got to give us a lot." And that team maybe said, "Okay, look, we can't afford that for him." And maybe that was the end of the conversation. Again, I don't know uh, because I'd find it very hard to believe for a guy that had a big hand in, in the success of the offense and helped Mahomes a lot, also helped Alex Smith a lot last year, that he would be seriously considered being put up on the trade block. A lot of players, I, I'm sure there are teams that maybe have contacted the Chiefs 
about Chris Jones. At least one team, maybe, because they know that this is a contract year for Chris Jones and that, hey, what if there is a chance that maybe the Chiefs are willing to trade him if we give the right offer? Sure, yeah, I'm sure that conversation was had, but it wasn't seriously considered. Maybe that's what happened when Tyreek Hill's name was being thrown out there as a trade possibility or a trade consideration. So I wanted to put that out there. Uh by the way, uh, the uh, the NFL, uh, I guess, uh, so an NFL representative spoke to Ian Rappaport regarding Tyreek Hill, and Rappaport reported that the NFL is not expected to weigh in on this, nor will they discipline Tyreek Hill until the Child Protective Services investigation is complete, and rightfully so. Now, for what it's worth. Tyreek Hill has been completely silent on Twitter and Instagram since this news broke. However, I got a few tweets from some of you guys that he has been Snapchatting again. Keep in mind, the reason that I make a a point of emphasis on that is because the Snapchat of his son dancing uh, and the report of his son's arm being broken, uh, that did not appear to be the case when uh, his son was in that Snapchat video dancing. Uh... So that that was not the case. Uh, and I, I make a point of that because Tyreek Hill is now on Snapchat again posting. And, and again, I don't I don't follow Tyreek Hill on Snapchat. So I'm trusting. I, I've seen people take screenshots and post them online. So I guess it's out there that he is Snapchatting again. Uh, maybe he was advised to not post on Instagram nor Twitter. But perhaps he was not told anything about Snapchat. And he 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 decides to go on with that. I don't know. Uh, a lot of people are thinking that's good news. I, to me, that's that doesn't really tell me anything. So, for whatever that is worth to you, because to some fans it, it means a lot to them. Uh, Tyreek Hill is out there posting again on Snapchat, but not on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, we've got to see how this all plays out. I don't know how long this is going to take, guys. Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people want an answer right away. The Chiefs definitely want an answer right away because they want to extend his contract if he's in the clear, and if he's not. They've got a decision to make. Uh, so that is something to be aware of. So hopefully they can uh, complete this investigation. I, I will say this. And again, let me just clarify. I'm obviously not in this field. But given that the reports that we have had, what we do know is so vague, I, I do get curious. What do investigators look for? Especially when child services get involved. I mean, what are what are they going to look at? How are they going to reach their conclusion to all of this. Uh, Again, uh, there are people in the field who have far more experience in that. uh, But that is something that uh, makes me wonder that this could take a lot longer than than we would like. Let me know your thoughts on that or anything we have discussed on this podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Time to wrap up the podcast. Let's go around the NFL. I'm going to say I've never seen this from a general manager, but Giants GM Dave Gettleman, uh, he has been out there doing a lot of uh, interviews, and he's been defending Eli Manning quite a lot. I've never seen this from a GM before. And running back Saquon Barkley also kind of getting in, also defending Eli Manning, saying it's not his fault for all the troubles that the team had this past season. Uh, Ralph Vecchino, who is a Giants reporter, for the New York Post, uh, he said that the Giants 
want to find Eli Manning's successor for net, for this month in the, in the draft, but they're unsure if that'll happen guaranteed. However, it was also mentioned that Gettleman reportedly wants to have Eli on the team through 2020. Now, it doesn't specify as an owner or just on the team, maybe as a possible backup, but it is mentioned that they want Eli Manning on the team for at least a couple of more years and that the owners are aware of this and they're behind Gettleman on this plan. Uh, listen, I, I do agree. I don't think everything was Eli Manning's fault for what's been going on with the Giants lately. I, although I will say to still want him on the team for a couple of years, uh, it, it's just hard to kind of imagine uh, what else is left for Eli Manning to offer for this football team. He's had an up and down career. He really has. He's had some really great seasons. And he's also had a lot of terrible seasons. Uh, obviously, has the two Super Bowl wins. Maybe one of the more up and down quarterbacks to ever win multiple Super Bowls. But uh, it is hard to imagine that the Giants are not going to look for a new starting quarterback. Uh, look at the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs were still doing well with Alex Smith, but even then, people said, "Look, you 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 can't go any further with Alex Smith. You've got to move forward with." a new quarterback and obviously they draft Patrick Mahomes and there was a reason why they drafted him it sounded like they had Alex Smith and said hey we're going to draft a quarterback even though we have a Pro Bowl QB there's a reason why they went for Mahomes and played behind Alex Smith for a year and eventually they made the switch because they realized that they cannot go any further anymore with Smith even on a playoff year when they drafted Mahomes so uh, you would imagine that the Giants are seriously considering a quarterback, and perhaps that's a smokescreen to throw off other teams out there. Right? You, you're going to see a lot of those this month. Uh, I did mention that the NFL ranked the Chiefs and the Chargers as the number two rivalry for 2019. Number one is Steelers-Browns, surprisingly enough, and I agree with that. They tied in week one, and the Steelers won the second meeting. And even more importantly, the Browns have made a lot of significant moves this offseason. They are expected to be the most improved team and to be one of the top teams in the AFC. In fact, I saw a projection on NFL.com that their win total projection went up by three. They finished with a 7-8-1 record. So what you're expecting them now to win 10, perhaps 11 games, depending on that tie right there. Uh, the Browns are expected to be one of the top teams. And keep in mind, 12-4 was the... What was what set the bar in the AFC last year with the Chiefs and the Chargers. So the Browns could easily be one of the top three or four teams in the NFL next season. Possibly co competing for one of the top two seeds to get a bye week in the playoffs. That, that, that's how highly thought of people feel with the Browns right now. I mean, really, the Browns are set to compete. Just got to make sure they stay healthy. Last thing I want to discuss, the NFL, uh, or NFL teams rather, uh, apparently have concerns and take issue with how the Steelers handled the Antonio Brown situation, basically letting him have it his way and what's been described as forcing a trade out of Pittsburgh and, again, having it his way. Obviously, the Steelers are a historically successful team, and for them to do something like this, it did surprise a lot of front offices around the league, and they're concerned about the precedent that the Steelers set for NFL players and if they ever feel inclined to demand such thing, if they're in a situation like this where they're unhappy and what they could do and demand, and if their agent could use the Antonio Brown situation as, as leverage.
Really? That's the concern? What about Ben Roethlisberger and his strong influence? Because apparently he had a big say in what happened with Todd Haley not returning. Really? Your quarterback who, again, Roethlisberger is a really good player and all. Don't get me wrong, but he had an influence on the offensive coordinator. One of the best in the NFL. I know he didn't do well in Cleveland, but we all know his track record previously. Listen, I know athletes like Tom Brady and LeBron James, they probably get approached by the front office and they're aware about some of the significant changes made on the team before the rest of the players. I'm sure similar things could be said with Kobe Bryant and Peyton Manning during their playing days about key moves with the team. But Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere near the level of any of those players that I mentioned. And he shouldn't have a say in what goes on for other people uh, joining the team or getting kicked off the team. No way. The concern is Antonio Brown, really? I mean, if I was Antonio Brown, I would demand the same thing, given what's been going on with Ben Roethlisberger. You're telling me Antonio Brown's a bigger issue? No way. It's definitely Ben Roethlisberger, especially given the fact that the Steelers GM has been publicly defending him. Let's not forget, Roethlisberger, he, he does his weekly radio hit with a Pittsburgh station, and he is not afraid to publicly criticize his teammates. If Mahomes did this, on an interview with 810 or 610 or any radio station out there, I mean, there would be a big uproar about this. Why is Mahomes publicly criticizing the team? Especially on a team like the Chiefs where they don't publicly criticize it. We all know about Andy Reid. He didn't publicly criticize Travis Kelsey and Marcus Peters for, for what they did. The Chiefs don't do things that way. So it would be a surprise if Mahomes did something like that in an interview, a radio interview. So NFL teams are more upset with the Antonio Brown situation than all of Roethlisberger's actions. That is a surprise to me. And I think that is something that I'm concerned with. NFL teams concerned more about AB than Big Ben. Let's go out of bounds. The final four is set. All four regional championship games, by the way, really damn good. Uh, Texas Tech started things off by pulling off an upset win over a number one seed in Gonzaga. Purdue looked like they were going to beat a number one seed in Virginia, but in one of the more wild endings, uh, Virginia given plenty of chances to save its season, and in doing so, they forced uh, overtime with a buzzer beater, and they won in overtime to advance to the Final Four. Auburn and Kentucky... Uh, another good game it was in Kansas City. I want to get into that shortly. Uh, they pulled away in the final minute. Uh, Auburn, that is. And then Michigan and uh, Michigan State and Duke. Great back and forth battle and a crazy ending to that one as well. People were complaining early that the games were, in, in, in the first two rounds, boring and we hardly saw any buzzer beaters. Look, uh, I mean, I get it. There are a lot of games, but occasionally, one once in a while, there will be that year where you don't see a lot of crazy upsets or crazy endings in the first two rounds. It just it, that'll happen once in a while. But uh, I remember in the wild card round, we didn't have a lot of great games in the playoffs until that very last game between the Eagles and the Bears. Uh, obviously, the crazy ending there. So uh, just just be patient, folks. I mean, it, it'll happen once in a while. The, the, we've had so many great Super Bowls over the last what fifteen years. Yeah, we had a boring one this past year. That'll happen once in a while. That's just the way it is sometimes. So no need to get upset. Very exciting set of Elite Eight games and should be a lot of fun to watch this Final Four given what we just saw uh, how all of these teams came off their wins. 
Uh, speaking of winning, this woman is for sure winning. An 80-year-old considered one of the best at the job that she does as a DJ. And she DJs at so many big-name clubs in Poland. Her name is Virginia Snit. I may be mispronouncing that, but she lives in Warsaw, Poland. And instead of babysitting grandkids, she's out there mixing music at clubs and parties. And by the way, this is not like, you know, some small club at the corner of downtown that no one goes to. I mean, she, she's DJing at some high-level clubs. And she was quoted, I'm sure it's translated, uh, she said, I don't care if someone likes it or not that I am dancing or jumping behind the console because I cannot play uh, and stay still. When I play, I feel the melody and I feel the rhythm. Look, there's nothing funny about that, but the fact that it comes from an 80-year-old D- woman who's a DJ, uh, definitely unique. Her name is her DJ name is DJ Wicca. Uh, by the way, she also DJs at retirement homes. So obviously, it's uh, people around her age, which makes it a little more exciting for those who are at retirement homes to see a, a DJ their age, which you don't see ever. Uh, and she not only is respected more because of that, but also gains a lot more popularity because of that in Poland. Good for this woman. 80-year-old and is one of the best DJs out there. That is awesome. Uh, by the way, you know what else is awesome? I finally tried this. The Kansas City Joe's barbecue pizza. I'm telling you right now, it's good. Maybe a little overhyped and a little too sweet, but hey, that's what barbecue has. A little bit of that sweetness there. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, it is pretty damn good. Uh, It's exclusively available at Minsky's. Uh, Look, I'm too lazy to do this. Somebody please go on one of those websites where you can create a petition and start a petition to keep this pizza permanently because Minsky's has had so much great business because of this. I actually went and I ordered pickup for this and I I thought I would just go in there, pick up the pizza and leave. This was on a Friday late afternoon, early evening. So I didn't think there was going to be anybody there. First of all, the restaurant was full. And as far as the takeout line, the takeout line was all the way around the restaurant and outside the door. I saw more people at this Minsky's than I have seen Chargers fans at a Chargers home game. That's how crazy people are going for this pizza. Obviously, it's bringing in a lot of great money. And I don't know exactly where Minsky's ranks among pizza chains when you compare you know, Papa John's and Pizza Hut and so on. But... Man, surely Minsky's has been getting more customers and and taking some away from the other pizza chains because of this. And people are going back, I'm sure. People are, I mean, this is only for a limited time. So someone please create a petition to keep this because it is damn good. And I promise you, it is worth ordering. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. All right, I threw a flag at the end of the regular season for last year in baseball, and I said that that it was ridiculous that two teams had to have a 163rd game to break a tiebreaker because 162 games, for whatever reason, is not enough. And let me just say this. I think 162 games is way too damn much. Listen, this is a nice sport, but you've got to consider the weather as well. And look, I'm no expert with global warming and weather patterns and weather shifts and all that especially when the time of year when you know march you you're expecting it to be spring fully but it's not the case all the time especially here in kansas city uh i think you've got to consider 
starting spring training and starting the baseball regular season a little later and even wrap it up a little bit sooner. 162 games is way too much. Now listen, if you, I'm not a big baseball lover, so perhaps this is one of the reasons why I'm saying this, but if you're one of those people that loves baseball and can't get enough, surely you love the 162 games. Okay, I get it, but let's not forget, the, the high in Kansas City on Sunday was 47 degrees. Uh, they had delays uh, on Thursdays uh, for Thursday's opener, and uh, Saturday there was a delay because of rain and snow. Uh, yeah, it snowed Saturday morning in Kansas City. Crazy. Uh, it was football weather more than anything. It definitely was not baseball weather. Look, it, it does hurt attendance numbers. Opening weekend, you're indes- you're anticipating a lot of people. I've attended Royals games on opening weekend before, and I, I, I don't ever recall a more colder opening weekend ever in the history of Royals opening weekend in Kansas City. I, I really don't... Um, this was a surprise to me, and gosh, it does hurt attendance numbers. It just does. Uh, a lot of people, even if their teams are bad, opening day, they're still looking forward to it, and you want a lot of fans to be out there uh, and for the weather to be good because it's outdoors, uh, at least most baseball stadiums are. So I think this sport needs fewer games, and also they need to consider Starting the game where at least the weather for sure is bearable across all markets that have a baseball team. When you call it spring training, can you really call it that? Because it starts in February, man. That's not spring. Start it later. Alright, you guys know me. Every time I come back from vacation, I have something to complain about with airplane and airport etiquette. This one was probably the most... Weirdest one that I've come across. So I'm at the baggage claim area and I'm waiting for my luggage. And I see my luggage come out. When people see their luggage coming out of the conveyor belt and onto that railing that turns around, uh, okay, you get in position. You probably just say, hey, excuse me, you want to get close because you see your luggage is there. Uh, some people are standing right by the uh, the railing and that's, that's fine. Uh, you know, if, if someone else sees their luggage, it's courteous to step out of the way but anyway I, I see my luggage so I got my hand on it and I'm picking it up and I want to turn and set it down keep in mind I've not turned this yet it's still above the the railing there's a guy who's probably what three or four inches taller than me he comes up to me and says excuse me and he's trying to go over me to get his luggage and in the two seconds while this is happening, I'm still holding this heavy luggage. And I, I actually look to him and I go, excuse me. Which in my voice, he could tell I was basically saying, no, sir, not excuse you. Excuse me. I've actually got bags. I'm holding bags right now. I need to set it down. And you're trying to climb over me to get your luggage. Go around me and anyone else that you need to get your luggage. Don't be a dumbass and try to go on top of someone else. That's not how you grab your luggage from someone by going through someone else physically. That's what the guy was trying to do. He sees that I've got a pretty big bag holding it with two hands. I want to set it down, man. This is a bit heavy. This is a bit heavy. Give me a break. And by the way, if you are listening, whoever that guy is, which you're probably not, you suck. A mother requested to write a column for a Notre Dame student newspaper and she was given permission to do so she is asking for Notre Dame to ban 
leggings from being worn by women because she said that as a Catholic mother of four boys, she, quote, struggled to teach her sons that women are someone's daughters and sisters, end quote. Uh, she also mentioned that guys have an issue with staring nonstop at girls with leggings. Okay, look, she's right. Men do laser in on pretty sorority girls who show up in campus with leggings, but there are also other things that women wear that attract attention from guys uh, around that age range and even older as well. Uh, but look, here's my issue. She admitted that, that that she just struggled to teach her kids this. That is your issue and that is your problem, and it's your fault that you were not able to teach your boys this. Uh Look, let me just say something. I'm obviously not a parent and I'm saying this, but I I can understand how nerve-wracking it is for parents to let their kids go off to college, uh, especially if you have a daughter and there's all that concern about what if you meet a guy or a girl and if that person becomes your priority over the education. And even so, let's not kid ourselves. These kids are out there having sex. It, it, it's discussed even by college uh, student newspapers. I mean, the topic of sex is brought up uh, across Again, every student newspaper in America. And look, as a parent, you just have to have that conversation with your kid, as awkward as it can be for an 18, 19, 20-year-old, depending when your kid goes or transfers, uh, if they start at a community college. Uh, you got to just have that conversation with them uh, and understand, hey, look, you, you have fun, but also be smart and be safe. Uh, because wearing certain things, especially with women, it leads to attraction, obviously. Look what happened at KU uh, over the past few years uh, with the rape allegations. W one that even led to shutting down a fraternity, forcing students to move out immediately. Uh, these are these are pretty concerning things. I get it. Uh, but as a parent, it's your responsibility to discuss that and make them understand that. And if this mother was not able to do that, that is her fault. I don't. It, it, by the way, uh, a student at Notre Dame created a Facebook group. Uh, having like leggings pride day or something where everyone, guys and girls, wear leggings just to kind of respond to that mother, which is comical to me. Uh, but again, that's just a conversation you've got to have with your kids and make sure that they're smart about these kinds of things. you got to do that. Hey, there's one thing I really want to discuss here, something that's important to me when it comes to Kansas City and sports. Obviously, we had Auburn win the Midwest Regional, and they did it in Kansas City at the Sprint Center. By the way, great streak for Auburn, defeating New Mexico State, KU, UNC, Kentucky in overtime. Um, I love when there when there's a big sports scene downtown in Kansas City, even if the local teams are not involved. Obviously, it's massive for the Big 12 tournament because all the teams are nearby. By the way, props to West Virginia. Their fans show up. I did not think West Virginia fans were going to show up when they became part of the Big 12 I remember a couple of years ago, we had the regionals uh, for the Big 12 tournament, and I saw a bunch of West Virginia fans. I was there uh, for the uh, final four of the Big 12 tournament a couple of years ago, and a ton of West Virginia fans showed up. A ton of them. So you got to give a lot of credit to their fans for coming out, uh, especially a lot of them probably traveling all the way from, from West Virginia coming over. Uh, by the way, December of 2017, Kansas City had the Final Four for volleyball. And you might be saying, who cares for volleyball? Well, you might be surprised. I know it doesn't get a lot of coverage, but come tournament time and Final Four time, ESPN really does pick up on volleyball coverage. And they also have the high school volleyball all-star game in between the day, uh, days for the volleyball Final Four and the national championship. But 
when they were here in Kansas City, they had they took advantage of PNL for the pep rallies and the players coming in through the tunnel from PNL and all the way into the Sprint Center. Uh, obviously, Big Twelve teams they used that place uh, PNL that is for uh, for pep rallies. The UFC used it to for their weigh-ins because the Sprint Center had a concert that night. And from someone who I know in the UFC, he told me the UFC loved having the weigh-ins out there, and they loved the turnout as well uh, at Power and Light. Uh, you know, the, I know we have NBA and NHL games in the preseason in Kansas City, and the turnout isn't as big. From but from the people who are responsible for putting this event together, bringing the teams to Kansas City, they say they love the venue and they love the the, the reactions that they get and working with the people at the, at the Sprint Center. I just want to say this: I understand the Sprint Center is one of the busiest arenas in the country because of the amount of concerts they have, and I understand that there there will be a big loss if they do this. But you have to consider an NBA and or an NHL team at the Sprint Center. Look, this is a sports town, man. We have the loudest NFL fans. We have the loudest college basketball basketball fans nearby. And as far as the other teams go, I mean, people in this cr- sport go crazy for soccer. They're, they're supportive of Sporting KC. We saw what happened, how the city came together downtown for the Royals World Series Parade. Uh, this is a sports town, man. It It, it is. And I can only imagine how much better it would be if you have an NBA or an NHL team. I'm sure fans would be supportive of it, even if they struggle early. But once they pick it up, kind of like how the Golden Knights did in Las Vegas, man, that a city will really get get behind your team. And PNL will be packed. Listen, anytime you if you have a a ticket to a Big 12 event or a concert at the Sprint Center, what do you do before that? A lot of people will go to Power and Light and eat dinner there. Or have a drink or two, whatever. People will hang out at that area before they go to the Sprint Center. Uh, you got to take advantage of that. And I think if you have a, sp- a sports team there, it's just going to be better. I know it's going to be a big setback for the Sprint Center concert-wise. I think you can still make that happen. Uh, but man, it would—it's a sports town, man. I think you've got to do something and make a stronger effort for that. I don't know exactly how to do that, but you've got to make it happen. Uh, before the Sprint Center gets to the point where it's too old. It's 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. And age is going to creep up pretty quickly. And you've got to make sure that you can do what, what needs to be done to keep keep that place vibrant and add a sports scene there. Because with PNL and, and, and an arena right beside it, not a lot of venues have that. So you've got to take advantage of what you have and build a stronger sports scene. Because we see how it is for Big 12 games and for all these NCAA tournament games. And by the way, I, I spoke to someone from the NCAA, and he said he told me he really loves it in Kansas City, and he wants to make an effort to come to Kansas City as much as possible. They come to Kansas City for regionals every other year now. They were here two years ago for KU Oregon. They came back uh, this year, obviously, for uh, a couple of, for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Uh, man, uh, you've got to take advantage of what you have. Kansas City does have something special downtown with the Sprint Center and PNL beside it. Don't let that go to waste, man. Don't let that arena, the Sprint Center, get too old and for it to be too late to bring in a sports team there because that's going to be a wasted opportunity. I hope it happens. I know it's a long shot, but you've got to consider everything that I just said and make that happen. Got to make it happen. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzim Musuga, and thank you all for taking the time to download and listen to the podcast. Spread the word. We will be back this week. We will have Robert Rimson of the Chiefs Wire joining us. 
So make sure you tune in for that on Thursday. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash farzinwithsugian. And follow me on Twitter at farzine 21 Again, subscribe, share the links, helps the podcast out greatly. I will talk to you guys this Thursday. We will talk Chiefs Draft with Robert Rimson. Talk to you then. Take care.